Hey everyone, welcome back to the Chain Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Shaughnessy, a co-founder at Delphi Digital, which is an independent research boutique providing institutional-grade analysis on the digital asset market. One quick housekeeping item, this podcast is strictly informational and educational and is not investment advice or a solicitation to buy or sell any tokens or securities or to make any financial decisions. For full disclosures, please see the show notes below. Also, our listeners can visit DelphiDigital.io and use coupon code CHAINREACTION in all caps as a special offer to access our research. The top crypto funds, analysts, and firms read Delphi Digital's research. With that out of the way, today I'm thrilled to have on Joe Lubin, the co-founder of Ethereum and the founder of Consensus. For those new to the space, Consensus is a global blockchain technology company building the infrastructure, applications, and practices that enable a decentralized world. Consensus has over 50 spokes building on Ethereum, ranging from infrastructure like Infura and Metamask to platforms and applications like OpenLaw and AirSwap. After having numerous guests from Consensus on the podcast, ranging from Gregory Rocco to Andrew Keyes and others, it was excellent to have Joe on to explain his take on the space and his vision for the future. We cover the goals of blockchain overall, Ethereum's competition, its future under Serenity, and the past, present, and future of Consensus, and so much more. Joe's by far one of the most plugged-in people to the space. As such, this was a very insightful conversation. With that, let's jump into the episode. Joe, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thanks for hopping on with me. Um, I don't think, yeah, I don't think anybody is new to your story, so I think we could skip the general introductions and jump right in because I know you're busy. So. I'd love to begin with Ethereum, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about how Ethereum's changed over time. Um, I guess, do you think it's natural and understandable to evolve over time, or do you think a lot of the growing pains we're kind of seeing now um, is natural? Definitely natural. Uh, It was always intended to evolve. Uh, I think even Bitcoin was intended to evolve, um, although... Uh, one could understand the case that it should perhaps evolve more slowly, uh, possibly even at glacial speeds. Uh, if you're building a, a decentralized money system intended for the planet, uh, maybe you you don't want um, uh, rapid growth in your technology. Um, but uh, uh, we, from the start, intended to do something very different from Bitcoin using the same technological principles we intended to build uh, a platform for decentralized applications and as an application platform um, of course you need to uh, keep getting more capable and and evolve as technology evolves Um, we also knew that we were uh, a doing something that everybody believed we couldn't really do um, and so got that done Um, but but b um uh, essentially building a proof of concept, a, a, a sort of toy decentralized application platform, um, certainly an incredibly sophisticated system and ecosystem. Um, but very early on, we were um, aware that uh, it wouldn't be scalable. It wouldn't have privacy and confidentiality. Um, it would support certain kinds of use cases, uh, but uh, the ultimate goal was to build 
um, a decentralized technology, a, a platform uh, that would show the world the way to build better infrastructure, better uh, decentralized foundations, uh, better decentralized uh, trust systems. And uh, Ethereum 1.0 was always intended to be um, the starting point. Uh, it was intended to enable a bunch of use cases and uh, it's enabled uh, essentially a, a better kind of money potentially although we we shied away from uh, trying to position it as a money system um, it's enabled uh, experiments in in lots of different spaces in the energy industry and in supply chain and banking insurance and healthcare and um, it's enabled uh, token launches, different kinds of token launches. Um, it's enabled uh, this DeFi revolution or this this DeFi phenomenon that, that's hockey sticking right now. So um, you mentioned growing pains. Uh, I think growing pains are uh, essential and wonderful. Um, if we didn't grow uh, quite dramatically, if we didn't grow to the point where there were pains, then I, I think uh, it could be argued that we're uh, moving too slowly as an ecosystem. And so um, I'm pretty proud of the Ethereum project, um, pretty proud of the governance. Uh, certainly, it uh, everything about Ethereum needs to improve. And uh, there are lots of people uh, that are working to improve virtually everything about Ethereum. So it seems to me that Ethereum's getting a better class of competitors. Um, EOS, I think, was okay, arguably. I don't think it was great. Uh, but now you have Tezos, Cosmos, Polkadot, and Affinity coming on. Um, they're all going to be online soon or within the next year. Do you see the competition as making the whole blockchain pie larger? Or do you think this is competition that could potentially you know, eat Ethereum's lunch at some point? Uh, probably both. Um, although. So, so I, by both, I mean um, good events anywhere in our ecosystem uh, lifts all boats. Um, and uh, some projects are, are certainly intending to be competitive with Ethereum. Um, some projects are focusing on marketing um, to be competitive with Ethereum. Uh, so I would put uh, Tron and EOS in that basket, and and both of them have kind of taken the approach of uh, sort of uh, raise a bunch of money and fake it till you make it, basically. Uh, and uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, and there are other good projects in the space, um, many of which have had close ties to Ethereum uh, right from the start. Um, and you know, it's it's an amazingly collaborative ecosystem. Uh, there's there's certainly lots of competition going on on a daily basis, but we all um, are very friendly, pretty much, and run into each other at conferences multiple times a year around the world. And uh, um, the amazing thing about this this technological um, moment in time, or, or this particular technology, is that it is all done out in the open. Um, so, uh, open source is the ethos. Uh, open source approaches are necessary. Uh, there's a ton of communication and collaboration going on between competing teams. Uh, and so, we're all kind of competing on either marketing or uh, drawing the best talent to our project and, and building out the strongest ecosystem. Um, 
you really can't um, build one of these platforms uh, closed and, and hope to achieve the buy-in, hope to build an ecosystem. You know, Definity is a notable exception, and and uh, they're closed source right now. And um, I think they're going to have trouble gaining the trust of of community builders. And if you if you unleash a, an open source project onto the world and, and it's fully formed, the developers, you know, maybe a few of them would be interested in that, but people really want to contribute. People really want to be in there um, early on, and that that's how you get the, the real buy-in. Uh, so, in the context of this openness, um, this collaboration and communication. Um, Ethereum has, in my opinion, the best technology by a lot, uh, the best technologists, and so many more of them, uh, and uh, orders of magnitude, bigger ecosystem, and uh, I feel like the project is moving faster. And so uh, in that open context, uh, we can all steal liberally uh, from one another, uh, and uh, it, it won't be hard for Ethereum to, I believe, maintain um, an ecosystem lead and, uh, at minimum, uh, stay up to speed technologically. Um, I I would argue that uh, Ethereum 2.0 uh, will become significant uh, before any other of those projects really become significant. Uh, so, um, you know, Polkadot, uh, Tezos, Cosmos, Definity uh, will all probably release something interesting within a year. Um, and it, it looks like uh, uh, phase zero of Serenity, Ethereum 2.0, uh, will probably come online towards the end of this year. Uh, there are eight teams currently that are building out uh, um, clients. Uh, several of them have their own test nets already, and some of the teams are pairing off to get in sync with one another very soon. There's some events planned to, to do uh, some of that. And so I feel like within a handful of months, um, all of the the different client teams will be syncing with one another on a, on a single test net. And probably before the end of this year, um, Ethereum 2.0 phase zero, uh, the, the beacon chain, the heartbeat of the system, uh, proof of stake uh, element, uh, is likely to be in a position, or maybe early next year, uh, to provide some value to Ethereum 1.0. Uh, so it, it may end up uh, fairly quickly serving as a, a finality gadget for uh, for transactions uh, for blocks on uh, Ethereum one. That's great, caller Joe. So you know, moving on on or moving forward with ETH two point are there any critiques that you have for how things played out so far? Or you know, if you could go back in time a year, do you think that there's anything you would change about the Ethereum's community to the Ethereum community's approach to Ethereum two Whether it be the roadmap or the technologies or the focus? I'm not uh, generally inclined to point at uh, moments in the past and say we did something wrong. Um, everything we do together is uh, is a learning moment. And um, I think one really good example uh, is just looking at proof of stake. Um, so um, one of the first things we all agreed on 
uh, in sort of the first week of my participation uh, on the Ethereum project in January of 2014 was that it should be a proof of stake blockchain. Um, and fairly soon after uh, we came to the conclusion that uh, there were edge cases in proof of stake systems that were in existence uh, that we couldn't solve and we were concerned that they could be problematic. We knew we could make proof of work work. And so uh, it was decided that we would do that and, and we would keep working on proof of stake. Um, fast forward uh, some number of years and um, the Ethereum project uh, has with a, an R&D team in the lead on, on this particular issue uh, has explored lots of different approaches uh, to proof of stake and um, if you look at Vitalik's tweet storm describing all of the um, the learnings along the way um, you really get a, a beautiful uh, snapshot or, or trajectory of how a incredibly sophisticated system is constructed um, by trying things, making assumptions, disconfirming uh, those directions and and zeroing in on um, the strongest solution uh, currently known. Um, and you can only get there uh, by exploring and identifying all the subtleties in the situation and really defining terms, defining terms that you didn't even know about um, uh, at the start of the journey. Uh, so um, it uh, is certainly looking like uh, uh, Casper proof of stake will uh, not only be the most secure um, system out there, um, but it'll enable uh, the greatest decentralization um, because it won't uh, suffer from efficiencies of scale that enable uh, large scale um, installations to uh, benefit um, unduly um, and the barrier to entry uh, to actually validating transition, uh, transactions will be very low. So we believe that uh, um, adoption will be very broad. You'll be able to uh, implement it on um, not too sophisticated devices and it won't, it'll burn extremely little electricity and so a uh, better system and one really interesting side effect is that that system will enable us to bring the full validator pool uh, uh the security of the full validator pool to every one of the 1024 shards on ethereum 2.0 uh, so it's not like you are splitting your entire validator pool um into a thousand different pools it's great. And Joe, circling back, I think it was a great point that you brought up that Ethereum is being built out in the open. A lot of people point to that and they, you know, pick out a governance problem or they pick out a growth pain and they, you know, compare it to another blockchain or a crypto. But I think it would be kind of fair to say that if other competing blockchains were as big with as many stakeholders, they would also be facing those public growing pains. Is that a fair assumption? Uh, sure. Absolutely. Anytime you get... Uh a group of people together. Um, they're going to have different opinions. If you get a group of people together uh, that are uh, building a system uh, that lots of people care about and in which there is embedded uh, billions of dollars worth of value, uh, you're going to get uh, uh, strongly voiced opinions. And um, uh, in that context, it's actually remarkable uh how well we all get along with one another um and i kind of feel like uh, uh any of the issues uh 
are uh, often generated by trolls, uh, by by nameless trolls on uh, on Reddit, um, where they pick off somebody who's doing good work and uh, and drive that person crazy. It's you know there are a lot of thankless jobs in our ecosystem, and it's not the people that work with that person every single day uh, that are having problems. Um, it's uh, um, sort of the uh, the financial class or, or the speculative class that uh, that is uh, stressing about uh, those sorts of elements. Uh, whereas uh, you know there are lots of big challenges technologically uh, to what we're all doing, um, but we're just focused on understanding what the challenges are and solving them. Um, so it, there aren't a lot of people um, stressing too much about. Uh, the price of the token and uh, taking shots at people uh, for that reason. There's some of that, certainly. There, there's some technological debates and uh, teams with different approaches to virtual machines and stuff like that, but that's just, that's natural. You need strong uh, dissenting opinions in order to, to come up with a, a better synthesis. Switching over to kind of a broader question here, I mean, Bitcoin appears to be the dominant store of value, and I buy the macro argument, the diversification, the uncorrelated returns, I buy all of that, but a lot of people segment off Ethereum as the base layer for smart contracts and dApps and use cases uh, in that mind. But I think a lot of people argue that even if that's the case, Ethereum may still have to compete to be a store of value, and then it will then just have to compete with Bitcoin anyway. Do you think that the selling point is the same on the store of value for Ethereum or Bitcoin, or do you think that they should be, you know, fundamentally separated in people's minds here? Um, not fundamentally separated. Um, so they definitely have different goals uh, as systems, um, but both rely on um, the use of the token and the value of the token uh, for security on those networks, uh, on each network. Um, I would argue that um, there are some countries, uh, some use cases uh, that really benefit from the use cases that uh, that Bitcoin affords. Um, but in much of the world, there aren't a lot of things uh, that I can't do um, or that other people can't do with their credit cards and, and other systems. Um, Ethereum... Uh, we never positioned the Ether token as a money. Um, we were really careful about uh, avoiding that sort of languaging because um, we did some heavy legal work at the start of the project and uh, we were disciplined about how we languaged everything. It, uh, it is and it was and is a, uh, a decentralized application platform and the Ether token is a fuel uh, that enables people to... Uh, run applications and and store data on the platform. Um, as such, uh, Ethereum is its own intrinsic economy, uh, and so uh, as there's more and more activity on the platform, uh, there will be uh, greater and greater demand uh, for that value token uh, to run applications in, in that economy, and so. Um, I feel like uh, um, you know, it's all about adoption. Uh, we've built uh, 
a sophisticated uh, technological foundation layer, the protocol, and we're, we're starting to build um, a whole lot of different uh, financial components, uh, lending platforms, different kinds of tokens, atomic swap protocols, derivatives, parameterized insurance products, um, and that's growing really rapidly. Uh, and that's another enabling layer. Um, so at Consensus, we build lots of applications uh, for companies, banks, central banks, governments uh, that are in different verticals. Um, and some of those are are starting actually to make use of public blockchain. So we just uh, announced recently that uh, uh, we have built with a company called Capbridge, um, a private equity exchange uh, that will be regulated by the Monetary Authority of Singapore um, and will be deployed on public Ethereum, public mainnet. Um, so as we see more and more utilization and more and more sophisticated sort of uh, consumer layer or corporate layer uh, use of the technology. Um, the token, the Ether token is going to increase in value. And uh, I think it will start getting used as money um, because it's just a better, more programmable money than Bitcoin can be. Uh, and, you know, with the, the different kinds of wallets that we've already built and, um, you know, essentially arbitrary logic that we can build into money um, really quite easily. Uh, I think it's going to uh, inhabit that use case as well. Makes a lot of sense. So switching back to the ecosystem, uh, you hit on DeFi a little bit earlier, and I think the movement is interesting on Ethereum. But my real question there is, the building blocks that developers are building for DeFi, other application developers can use these blocks, compose them into new applications. So it seems like the things people can build on Ethereum are one level ahead of what they could build on anything else because on other blockchains, they have to build these building blocks to begin with. Stable coins, prediction markets, decentralized exchanges. How strong of a moat do you think that is? Um, or do you think it's just too early to call it a moat because a lot of them are, are smaller type projects? Uh, I think it's fair to call it a moat. Um, I don't think the Ethereum ecosystem is trying to build a moat around itself. Um, uh, I do think that uh, our company and others in the space are are interested in seeing uh, essentially uh, an internet of blockchains or an internet of decentralized protocols where we have um, automated trust and guaranteed execution of agreements on platforms like Ethereum. And I, I think Ethereum is the platform that's most focused on maximal decentralization. And so I think uh, it's far and away um, the only candidate to be the base trust layer, uh, the base settlement layer uh, for the planet. Uh, got a long way to go before we can uh, handle anything like that. Um, but other protocols for decentralized storage and bandwidth and heavy compute and identity and proof location, et cetera, uh, all need to be linked in uh, really smoothly to systems like Ethereum. Um, and so it's about uh, building out the Web3 world. Uh, it's not a for us, at least, uh, about uh, building moats around Ethereum. That said, uh, the standards, the talent, um, the interoperability uh, between lots of different projects, essentially every project that you put up uh, on Ethereum mainnet um, is now sitting in the same execution space as every other project, and, and you can wire those things up uh, uh, very easily. Uh, so um, I'm very confident that Ethereum will remain 
significant uh, for quite a long time. Uh, there's so much going on with respect to layer two scalability, and I think that's going to um, it's really going to keep a lot of developers very busy um, while we bring uh, the different pieces, phase zero, one, and two, and, and later on four of uh, of Ethereum 2.0 online. Um, so um, without the need for moats, uh, I think that uh, Ethereum is going to uh, continue to surge. It's awesome. So switching over to consensus, Joe, you've grown a lot really fast, you know, zero to 1200 people trimmed back a little, but my more pressing question here is how has the ecosystem of consensus changed over the years? You know, if you were to walk in the office at the start of each day for the last couple of years, you know, what's the difference between the teams pitching you or the leaders you're finding? Um, how's the dynamic now versus then? Um, Dramatic change. Um, so consensus has been many different companies over the last four and a third years. Um, uh, we were uh, a cute little venture production boutique um, trying to explore the thesis that decentralized applications were reasonable things to build and that you might consider wrapping a company around a decentralized application. Um, and that might be a viable business. Uh, we, I'm not sure we've proven that yet, but uh, um, I think many, many in our ecosystem believe that uh, that that is uh, a valid hypothesis. Uh, so, it, you know, way back then, it it wasn't clear to people that uh, um, that with these programs on on public blockchain that uh, somebody wouldn't come along and just duplicate your program and and cut your margins to nothing. Um, it was clear to people who had some experience that uh, the software alone is not, does not a company make or a product make. And uh, um, you know, just the smart contract element is a small element to delivering uh, uh, something very valuable. Um, so you know, we started as a venture production studio. We ended up uh, realizing that it's hard to build decentralized applications. Uh, so the first major phase uh, was building the infrastructure, building Truffle and MetaMask and Infura and, and later on some other uh, infrastructural elements uh, that we needed in, in order to uh, pursue our goal of being a venture production studio, build, building products, essentially. Um, we were in an interesting position, so we uh, ended up getting calls from companies and banks and central banks and governments and got a lot of visits and um, people wanted to pay us for advisory work and then to build a whole bunch of POCs and um, starting a couple of years ago to build uh, sophisticated production systems. Uh, and so we ended up sort of out of necessity uh, building a professional services group. Uh, when you're uh, creating an ecosystem, we, we were you know, significant drivers in, in the opening of this ecosystem. The technology is immature. Uh, the products are immature, uh, and so you have to do a, a tremendous amount of education and handholding. Uh, and we were fortunate enough to be in a position to do that uh, with different entities, and and we learned a lot. We built products uh, from those situations, and we're now able to uh, deliver um, much more mature products and compose those into sophisticated solutions uh, for different industries. Um, we started doing a bunch of investing uh, because uh, our ecosystem started to grow pretty rapidly and, and draw entrepreneurs and companies into it. Um, 
and so we felt uh, that we needed to uh, you know not just keep our focus internally but uh, start to pay much more attention to what was going on around the world with other protocols and with projects uh, um, in the ethereum ecosystem um, right now we're at a phase where a lot of our technologies I wouldn't call them mature but they're they're getting we're, we're sort of proud of them and they're getting more mature and we are able to uh, compose them into things that are delivering real value uh, to different companies or consortia or, or public blockchain or the public ecosystem. Uh, so we're focusing on uh, streamlining um, upon the foundation that we built. We've got uh, essentially a core stack. Uh, we're doing a ton of work in fintech and DeFi. Um, we're looking at building a game component suite. Um, we are doing a lot of work in supply chain and future work. We have many projects in the future workspace that we have been dog fooding internally, and uh, some of them are starting to be used externally um, in you know, other other uh, narrower verticals like like healthcare and media entertainment, that tech. That's awesome, Joe. And you know, one question I have to ask is. Uh, People saw the news on on revenue for consensus, and I I don't really agree with the pushback because I don't view you guys as a you know let's make a ton of money right now. I view you guys as seeding you know the dozens of companies that could potentially be a big deal in the future. You know, incubate, accelerate them, et cetera. What's your take there? I mean, is that the goal of consensus for a lot of uh, the spokes or subsidiaries, or is the focus you know revenue tomorrow? I, I just don't think that is the focus. Um. So we've been around for over four years. Um, our goal uh, was to um, do whatever we could to educate, facilitate adoption, uh, project the technology uh, as far and wide as we could. Um, and a couple years ago, we started um, having certain projects uh, get commercial. Uh, we sort of backed into it. We weren't really setting that as a goal, but uh, um, we uh, started in say 2017, uh, pulling in some revenue it was single digit million dollars. Um, and within the last 12 to 18 months, we've started focusing um, much more on um, return on investment. So that's monetary return on investment, it's ecosystem return on investment, it's social impact. We're working on ways to measure all of that um, and ways to just get excellent across the board. So uh, it is less about um, doing cool things at consensus these days and, and more about recognizing that, hey, uh, we played a significant role in opening up this ecosystem and now everybody's streaming into it uh, and we need to uh, be um, fully tooled up to compete in this ecosystem. And so um, the numbers that you saw published uh, represent uh, a trajectory that could be um, essentially one of the fastest growing software companies in history. So we're not embarrassed about uh, um, how we're doing commercially at this point. That's awesome. So Joe, building on that point, um, I've always been waiting. It just seems obvious to me or like a natural parallel for, you know, Microsoft to buy a chunk or Amazon to get involved. But then on the other side, it 
it also looks like consensus with Ethereum is kind of competing with the cloud providers. Has that ever crossed your mind to get more involved there? I know you guys obviously have Kaleido with AWS, but it just seems like at some point Microsoft could come knocking. Uh, I'm not sure what you're asking. Get involved where? I guess get involved either from Microsoft taking investment or just maybe more involved from the products or an infrastructure perspective with their cloud services. So we've been working reasonably closely on and off with Microsoft for a few years. Um, we were the first group that uh, that announced blockchain as a service on Azure. Um, Microsoft's run with that over time. Uh, our Kaleido group, um, which has built uh, by far the most sophisticated blockchain as a service platform on the planet, uh, uh, they they actually came out of uh, IBM. They uh, were the team that built version one, two, and three uh, for IBM's fabric of blockchain as a service. Um, so they're they're just crushing it. They they started on um, on AWS. Uh, they are now on Azure, and I there are some other excellent thing. When, when are we broadcasting? Because I don't want to give anything away. Uh, they're they're going to be announcing a, a whole lot of stuff uh, at uh, at Consensus, the Consensus event in New York. So let, let me just leave that there. Um, so we're doing um, deep infrastructure work uh, for enterprise, for public blockchain, and Infura can handle up to 10 billion queries per day uh, from the public ecosystem, including test nets and, and IPFS. We're also doing um, work towards uh, what we believe will be the future of uh, IT infrastructure, uh, where um, instead of sort of heavy IT companies and hardware and software, um, you will see uh, the granularization of uh, the IT ecosystem where um, compute, storage, bandwidth, et cetera, um, is all uh, metered and granular and offered by you and me. And you know we'll, we'll have compute and storage in our, our phones and our jewelry and our clothing and our furniture. And uh, we have these smart contracts that can provision for our needs and negotiate, and we'll have derivatives that can um, enable providers of, of those kinds of resources to hedge out uh, different kinds of pricing risks. And uh, we'll have these tokens that enable us to, to pay in real time for all those different kinds of IT resources. So we're envisioning a cloud and fog world, um, and we're doing um, a little bit of work on that front. Uh, we have. Uh, don't think no. So I think it's public. So we, we have a project called Web Three Cloud, uh, where where we are um, uh, building out hardware and software infrastructure for that kind of world. Um, we are in a partnership with AMD, uh, and so one could imagine um, building much more efficient computing devices for um, for the virtual machines of the future. That's awesome. Well, Joe, I have two more questions for you, and I'll let you get back to building the future, which is awesome. And one of my last questions for you is, you know, consensus changes a lot year to year, um, as does the industry. Do you have any expectations of what you want consensus to look like in 10 years, or is the focus now on building and delivering on those goals? Um, yeah, who, who could answer that question? Um, so 
what we're moving towards is greater autonomy uh, in all of our units. Uh, so the thesis early on was that in a world of overlapping exponential technologies, you didn't really want um, to build a rigid top-down command and control hierarchy um, to address all those opportunities. Uh, just uh, decision-making is slow in hierarchies. Um, and you tend to silo information and power and, and hierarchies. And, and we wanted um, to be as flat and fluid as possible. Uh, and we've been reasonably good at that. It's not easy to do. Um, but I think one of the reasons that we've been able to grow so quickly and do significant things in so many different directions was because um, virtually all of our teams had a lot of autonomy. Um, so when you eschew hierarchy, you lose clarity and you lose accountability. So uh, we have a lot of our teams that uh, uh, have adopted uh, what we're calling an agreements fabric. Uh, so um, the agreements fabric involves team operating agreements and inter-team relationship agreements and team mandate agreements that specify what your mandate is and what your funding is. And within mandate and funding, um, there should be full autonomy. We're not there yet, um, but uh, we're moving there, um, hopefully pretty rapidly. Um, so the idea there is similar to a company like Amazon, uh, where uh, they try to have these modular functions uh, and they try to expose those modular functions to other modules within their organization, but also to the public uh, so that they have to uh, learn and compete. Um, and we're, we're trying to do that uh, within consensus. Um, one way to do that is to um, require all of our functional groups to publish APIs uh, and SLAs attached to the APIs. And we're using our agreements fabric uh, to get there. Uh, so the idea um, as we play it out, perhaps over 10 years would be that uh, uh, the consensus mesh, the, the mesh of the people, projects, and companies uh, is a lot of autonomous units uh, that uh, fluidly interoperate um, using each other's APIs. And we use a technology called open law uh, for many of our agreements. Uh, everybody should type open law into YouTube and check out the, the demos there. It is an awesome technology that enables us to create hybrid blockchain-based legally enforceable agreements uh, with you know, pro programmatic elements. Uh, so the idea there is that um, these APIs and SLAs take the form of, of uh, these blockchain-based agreements. And uh, um, at that point, anybody can come along uh, and make use of a bunch of our services and uh, effectively permissionlessly attach themselves to the consensus mesh. Uh, so uh, I guess we're trying to decentralize ourselves to, to some degree. That's awesome. Decentralize a consensus on a decentralized blockchain. I love that. So last question for you, Joe. Um, you know, I'm interested, and this is probably a, a weird question, but always interested in what keeps you awake at night, whether it's consensus, future of Ethereum, I guess, what are the most pressing things that you wrestle with? I'm not much of a worrier. Um, so the only thing that keeps me up at night is uh, uh, solving problems, usually via email. Um, I, I think things are going incredibly well in our ecosystem, and uh, uh, we are lucky to have this opportunity.
That's awesome. Ed Joe, one more if I can. Um, if you could have more of one thing in the industry, whether it be institutional investment, more developers, maybe more business people in the room, I guess what would you want more of if, if you could at a, at a high, broad level? Uh, to quote a uh, famous uh, technology leader, uh, developers, 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 uh, it's still a very young ecosystem. Um, at Consensus, we have uh, a tremendous variety of um, different kinds of capabilities, different kinds of talents and different roles. So we've got lots of lawyers and lots of business people and lots of marketing people and social impact warriors, uh, et cetera. Um, but uh, um, it's all uh, essentially bottlenecked by how fast we can mature the technology. Um, and, and there's uh, there's great work that can be done um, in building a cool application, a lot of learning that can be done uh, in building that uh, uh, where the, the underlying technology is sufficient. Um, but as we've seen over the last few decades, uh, the minute you release uh, a new um, generation of technology, their hardware or software, uh, it enables uh, just uh, a new class of things that you can do. And so uh, it will, the, the base technology layers will always be the bottleneck. That's awesome. Well, Joe, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Pleasure. Thanks so much. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please rate and review it to help other people find it. And visit DelphiDigital.io and use coupon code CHAINREACTION in all caps with no space to get an exclusive offer on accessing our research for our listeners. 